0: I still believe
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast, everyone Browns podcast on this continent. You got Kevin. And Raleigh. And from across the pond on another continent, we welcome on a very special guest, Mr. Jack Duffin. Jack is a writer on the Brown Salary Cap and Free Agency for the OBR. He is a co-host of the Paul Brown UK Browns podcast and he's going to be coming on to help us break down the great mystery that is the salary cap and numbers. Jack, sir, how you doing and thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I lo- always love chatting uh Browns, so any chance can jump on shows, well, I'm always like, yeah, let's do it.
1: First things first then, you know, I, Raleigh and I and most of us are born into this um abyss that is browns fandom you willingly chose to be a browns fan and you haven't jumped off yet after many years please explain and i, I asked this very respectfully because i admire it because i again we, we weren't given this choice you were how did you get on the dog pound from over there
2: yeah so i'll admit i, I had no idea what was coming with it when i made the decision <laughs> but uh when I was first sort of in the States, when I was a kid, probably about 10, 12, turned on the TV, Miami are playing uh, New England. And as a, as a kid, you're like, hey, I'll, I'll choose the team that has England in the name. This one's easy. And then after that, you get more into it. And it's like, hey, through fantasy football mainly, then start watching more NFL. And you're like, right, I don't want to be the guy that's supporting the, the glory hunters. You only pick them because they win all the time. And it's like, wasn't why I picked them, but it does make it easier. Um, and then it was like searching around, um, slightly leaning towards Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, just because that was sort of the the first draft where I really got more into it, playing a lot more Madden at that point. And then Paul D. Podesta joins, and that's it. Moneyball, favorite movie, favorite book. Um, yeah, I, I had no idea what I was
3: signing up to agreeing, but I was like, Paul D. Podesta, Sean, let's do this. Wait, and then, can, can you, sorry to cut you off. Can you give us a little... How old are you at the time? Depot, when did he join in? 2014, 20... maybe. 14. Roughly how old are you at the time? I'm not trying to... Just for audiences. People yeah, don't know something... if you're like 45 or like 27.
2: 31 now, so doing the maths. What's that? Early 20s? Early 20s. All right, cool. Yeah. Same age. So, uh, yeah, just jumped in, and then it was like... A long time without winning a game.
1: <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, and I'm sure most of our listeners probably already follow you on Twitter, but it's at, at Jack Duff. And I'll have all this in the, the, the description uh, of the episode. You didn't just jump in to be a fan. You jumped in and then willingly voluntarily took on maybe the most, well, the most confusing thing of a team of the NFL is the salary cap and the numbers. For those of you that don't know, Jack always updates our current cap situation with the Browns and it's always the pin tweet on his Twitter profile, which I told him off mic is the nicest thing anyone's ever done on Twitter without, you know, a very thankless job, but it's incredible and so convenient. What drew you into, you said Paul Depot was the reason you came to the Browns. Have you always been like
2: a numbers guy? Yeah. So I find it fascinating because as someone that watches a lot of what you guys would call soccer, I'll call football. Um, over in the UK there is no you just spend what you want Uh, there's no sort of limitations they've tried to bring in something in the last few years but it doesn't really work Um, but it was fascinating that you've got this aspect of hey you can only spend so much and um, then you've got the idea that hey if if you want to pay Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi the most money in the world that's fine because you can whereas oh actually you can overpay a player it's kind of an an aspect that doesn't really exist in sports on my side of the pond so found it fascinating and kind of just reading and learning more about it because it, it impacts so much other stuff like Ross construction so heavily impacted even the draft and what teams do um, so yeah kind of just found it interesting read a load and then uh, the next thing you're doing is like hey let's just chat about it and then the Early on, it, it was like, Shut up, we don't want to talk about this. And now, as it becomes more important, and the team gets to competing and sustaining being a competing franchise, people are like, Well, actually, we'll listen to this guy now.
1: But, dude, you like Babe Ruth your shots. You're like, Will we like sign someone? You're like, Oh, yeah, they haven't announced the numbers yet, but here's what it's going to be. And you're like, Always like spot on.
2: Yeah, so it, there's a lot of tells and signs for how the Browns will do contracts. So, a lot of that's just based on reading everything Andrew Berry does. And really digging into it, and, and this year was crazy with free agency. It was like I put out a list of like, hey, here's 50 guys that I really want to sign, um, and I think the Browns would be interested in. And usually, those guys ends up signing for either the Bills or the Texans in recent years. But this year, the Browns basically <laughs> signed my list, which I was over the moon. um I think what we're talking about 12 of the 15 that got signed or something were, were on that sort of list. um so, yeah, really happy that it's gone that way from 600 free
3: agents. So quick synopsis uh, for the newer fans or the don't know how calories sat. There's a wide degree of how much people have no clue uh, how, how the salary cap works. I'm in the camp of, I know it's a thing. I know that like, it, it's almost like binary. It's like, Oh, is he being paid too much? What's the market, etc. And I find so much enjoyment with that. Like you said, with the NFL, it's like a chess element compared to your football or our, uh, MLB, where it's just like, okay, super contracts all day, is a team poor or not, etc. But there are so many terms, I don't know, I don't think I've said this publicly because I've had no reason to, that I honestly have no clue or some clue what they mean, like dead cap, I feel like I know what that means, rollover cap, maybe know what it means, but I don't know what it means. Could you give us a dummies breakdown of cap terms and how they apply?
1: Yeah. So 99% of people are in that boat. I don't care what you say. I'm in that boat as well. I think, and I was going to go the same route there, Raleigh, Jack, can you just start the total salary cap for all NFL teams is the same every year, but it changes every year. Can you start, where does that number come from? And why does it change every year?
2: Yeah. And I'll start off by just saying there's about a good 10, 15% of salary cap, but I have no idea how it works. Um, <laughs> so that's insane. There is stuff that happens with different deals. and I'm like, so what is this? Um, and you're learning and it evolves because teams have got all these smart people they're hiring that are cutting edge. How can they sort of create different readings of the rules and do stuff? So I'll be honest, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens and I'm like, so what? Um, and then I'll start sliding into DMs of people and just going like, what does this mean? Um, but you need to get to about 50% and it will run through sort of what gets people there to 50%. So each year the NFL sa- sets a salary cap number um, and this year it's $224.8 million. And that is in terms of how much you account on the cap, no team can spend more than that. With the exception of what their rolled over cap was last year. So, any cap you didn't spend last year gets added to what you can spend this year. Um, So, say you had 10 million spare last year, well, suddenly you can spend um, 235 million this year rather than um, 225. And I would say there's one key bit that cap versus cash. So, cash is how much you pay a player. So, each of the five years of Deshaun Watson's deal, he's paid 46 million. So, regardless of what they do with the contract, everything else, he's going to get forty-six million into his bank account, and then you use stuff like signing bonus, where you give him say forty-five of that forty-six million as a signing bonus, and then you spread it out at nine million of cap space each in the next five years. So it's kind of you can manipulate the. How did you get
3: nine? Yeah. Sorry to cut you. I did not follow that math. So um, I, did, I
2: think I didn't matter. Forty-five
3: million. Yes. Is base salary um, is the signing bonus
2: on 1 million as base salary. Correct. And then you split the signing bonus of up to across up to five years. So because there's five years of the deal, it's 9 million in each of the five years. I think I've done that nine times. You're, yeah. Five, 45, yep. Yeah. Um, so the deal would be effectively, he's got all 46 million paid to him this year. 1 million is base salary and we'll count 9 million of that 45 million of signing bonus in this year. And then each of the next four years after this year, we have to account for $9 million um, for money he's paid this year. So effectively, it's like a a credit card, in effect. You've you've spent $45, um, let's call it dollars, $45 on your credit card. There's no interest, and you pay it off at $9 uh, $9 each year. Um, It's kind of that you're just loading stuff onto credit cards and other stuff and pushing it down the line.
3: So I'll call this real that this is a Raleigh made up term real cap or recognized cap Watson's cap as it affects the Browns is what I'm going for. So with the signing bonus, let's say there were no crazy little moves that they made. He's effectively he is effectively forty six million dollars that they can't allocate elsewhere. It goes against that two hundred thirty million dollars with the signing bonus spread over five years what's uh 45 46 minus nine was the number we used is it like 20 hit now his actual cap his realized cap is 36 million dollars each year so So next year it's 54 right
2: yeah so So it hurt us they've they've given him 46 million in cash and the way that will drop on the salary cap is this year You've got the one million of base salary and you've got the nine million of signing bonus. So this year, we're just talking for how much money they've given him this year, and then we'll add future years onto this. So 10 million is going to count on the salary cap this year. In the twenty twenty four, that'll be nine million. In twenty twenty five, that'll be nine million. In twenty twenty six, it'll be nine million. Twenty twenty seven it's nine million.
1: Plus the forty six each one of those seasons from the original contract. So he's exactly so five million,
2: Okay. It then just keeps adding up because you could have. So, effectively, this year they've got the 9 million from last year that they pushed back into the future. They've got the 9 million from this year as signing bonus plus the 1 million in base salary. Then we get into next year, we've got 46 million of base salary. We've got 9 million that they've kicked off from last year. They've got 9 million they've kicked off from this year. And that's how we get to the, what's that, 60
1: four, three.
2: Yeah. 64 million roughly this year. So I would say the key thing to probably follow is the cash number. Um, And I wrote on that at the start of this off season and said, Hey, I think they're going to spend on their roster this year, 260 million worth of cash because they'll backload deals and they'll restructure them out. And I think they're about four and a half million short of that at the moment, but they'll get there with their rookies and other stuff. And, The reason
1: restructuring is what you just were talking about right now. When we say restructuring contract, it's taking cash now and then taking that number and evenly spreading it out the rest of the contract length. And that number is what goes against the future cap along with whatever their contract already was.
2: Exactly that. Um, That was so good, Kevin. We are so lucky. And you don't really say this to have the Haslam's as owners. That because, was my
1: next, that was my next question. I was going to ask you to explain, we give them, we give them all shit all the time, but talk about the
2: luxury it is to have an owner, one of the richest owners in the league. Cause not every owner can do this shit. So this is nuts when I dug into it because I, I generally spend a lot of time focusing on what the Browns were doing. Um, and I sat down the other day and looked at, well, where do we stack up against the other teams in the league? And so just looking at the money they've spent in the last two seasons, plus what they're expected to at this point spend. If we go right to the bottom of the league over the three years, we've got the Bears, who are just under 500 million. And then we go right the way up to second place. We've got the Dolphins, who are expected over three years in cash terms to spend 704 million. We're 100 million more than that, at just over 800 million. And that is absolutely insane that... We're spending 100 million more um, than the team in second over that three-year window, and it's one that, with how most teams operate, that's not sustainable. They'll have one year of high spending, bring it down, and balance it out. But what the Browns are doing is they're backloading so many deals, and as long as Jimmy Haslam is keep willing to spend the money, we're spending about 50 million more than just the league average every single year because we're kicking the can right down the road, and you can consistently do it. They were first in league spending two years ago. They were second last year. They're first at the moment this year. They could easily sustain a top five most expensive roster in the NFL forever, as long as Jimmy Haslam keeps throwing that money. So Warren Buffett continue buying chunks of his company because that allows us to just keep spending money on guys, this team. Guys, guys, guys.
1: <laughs> Side note: If we don't, if, after hearing that, if we don't win a bowl in the next three four years. <laughs>
3: I yo. was thinking that
1: anyway. It's a two-edged yeah, sword. It's I, only cool if you aren't Jack Forty Bridge. Forty Bridge, Jack. Sorry. When we no say when we say dead cap, is that when you spread out the signing bonus across the years so that nine million over is
2: that the, is that what dead cap means? Yeah. So dead cap is any salary cap you need to account for a player that's no longer on the roster. So, um, Oh, Austin Hooper. Yeah, Austin okay. Hooper. It'll be John Johnson coming up. Um, it can be rookies that get cut because they sign and have some guarantees in their deal. And
1: but we're save. not paying John
2: Johnson that $11 million, are we? No, so he's already been paid that money. So he's already been paid that cash. But the way they backload these deals to keep spending the crazy amounts of money they're doing is they kick the can on them and move them down the road. So he's not... We're not giving him any money in terms of cash terms this year. Right. But there's okay. just some accounting where we've spread everything over five years. He's not been here five years, but we just have to account for it. So the cash is sort of the real thing of giving out the money. Whereas the salary cap's almost, it's running two, three years behind sometimes because you've kicked these deals Got right it. out. The only real exception I would say was Baker Mayfield's um, deal, just because we ate 10.5 million of cash. Just to send him away to the Panthers because they didn't want to offer that money, and um, because we ate a chunk of his fifth-year option. So outside of that, we've never really paid anyone to leave the team. Um, so
1: you talk about, and that's helpful. Thank you. Um, you know, we can spend a lot of money in perpetuity moving forward, but like we've seen elsewhere, let's use Kansas City, Tyreek Hill. We can talk about a million different examples. the The Bills come due, right? And it's going to happen for us in the next two, three years. If you're just speculating here, we're not in, we're not saying anything's heard there's no rumors or anything, but who potentially could you see being our Tyree Kill in a year or two, right? The guy the one of our best players, fan favorite, but just because the money it just mathematically cannot work out. Where on this team will we have to maybe make cuts financially, you know, in the near future?
2: Yeah, so it's looking at players and going are they providing value over the contract they're earning so it, we'll take miles garrett for an example just to go there he's paid 25 million a year he basically has to be competing for a defensive mvp every year to go hey he's worthy of 25 million um in the same way if he was on 50 million a year that would be a bad contract and you're trying to get out of it not because he's a bad player but if he's paid 50 million that's an awful lot of money and it's hard for him to provide surplus value on top mm-hmm. so I think Tellers probably the easiest name to start with. They were shopping him this off season. They have talked to teams about potentially trading him. Really? And I yeah, that was
1: just shit. bullshit on Twitter.
2: No, that, that's that's real because friend of the pod twice in back to back seasons he's been just average at best in the second half of the season. Um first half of each of those two seasons he has been playing nearly as good as Joel Batonio, which is a hell of a a level to get to, but the second half of two seasons, he struggled and um, whether it's health, whether it's other issues, who knows? And um, it certainly was health this year. There was no reported injuries the year before, but that play dropped off dramatically. And they're probably going to look at it next year and go, Hey, we, we don't want to pay him that much because it is a low value position and um, right guard. He's what the third highest, most expensive guard in NFL history. Do you want to pay him 14 million next year, 14.8 million the year after? No, not really, because if it comes into a conversation of well, do you want to keep the likes of Nick Chubb, etc., around, or do you want to keep paying White Teller? It's easier to find a replacement at right guard than to find a, a key piece of the roster. Um, I, so I think Teller's the most likely. I would say Grant Delpit is probably a player that's unlikely to get an, a second deal in Cleveland. Just because they've signed Thornhill now, um, you've got Ward on big money. There's Greg Newsome and Emerson up for getting paid. The chances of paying four DBs is really low. So I think they'll probably look at getting someone in the draft. Uh, Jamie Robinson um, was in Cleveland today um, and could be someone they draft in the um, third round. And that could be one where you sit for a year as that third safety maybe play some snaps. And then they view him as someone that, hey, you're going to step up 2024 and you're going to start alongside Thornhill I would say those are probably the two most obvious names. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with um, DPJ because he's up for extension. He's a free agent next year. I think they'll probably get a deal done somewhere around ten to twelve million, um, and that could come in June, July time um, to
3: keep him in Cleveland. Jack, do you uh, do you see any concerns with O line depth? It's kind of a random question. I, I've I've been in the camp of yeah, they need Teller. Uh, he is being paid handsomely, but a good run blocking slash pass blocking offensive line. You don't realize how much you need it until you don't have it. Like when the whole team was down this year, you could tell. And I don't know what's going to happen with Jed Wills. He was another one I was going to ask about. He's been, he's been math. I don't know if he's second contract worthy or what they're, what they have going on uh, pertaining to him. But my thought is, you may need all the O line you can help, or all the O line you can get for a couple of different reasons. One, blocking for Watson—that's a completely different ball game than blocking for Jacoby Brissett. Like longer pass protection, more pass protection, and they start going down as te- guys tend to do in the NFL. It could make a lot of things fall apart. Which, granted, we're used to that. But
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think starting outside at tackle, I think it's likely they'll pick up Jedwoll's option. And it might seem a lot at 14 point, is it one, two, five million? Um, so that's not for this season, that's for the season after. And you need to make up your mind by the 1st of May. But the reason why I think they will pick it up is that's a just below average left tackle salary, which seems nuts to say at 14 million is below average. But these guys are paid so much money that he provides average level left tackle play. So I don't expect him to be extended, but I think they might go, let's give him, the fifth-year option. So that ties him down for 2023 and 2024. We're not going to extend him unless we see some miraculous improvement the next two years. But we've got two years to find our left tackle because it's not like, if you've got a first-round pick, you might be able to draft someone. If you've got a boatload of cap space, you can go out and spend 15, 20 million in free agency. But they don't really have either of those options. So it's kind of like kick the can for two years and we'll work out what we do there um Conklin's got two years left I uh, two years guaranteed there's two option years on the back of that but we'll see when he gets there if he's worthy of keeping I expect them to draft a left tackle um this year so and that could be as high as 74 I've I've said all along that's my sort of wild card spot if they they think someone is on the board at 74 that they're like this guy could be a left tackle for the next eight to ten years you just take them um because they'll go there um so I would keep an eye on tackle there. In terms of the interior, I would love to see Michael Dunn return. Um, Not as some long-term answer, but just that piece of insurance um, in there. Um, I think next year they'll probably go out and spend sort of four or five mil, get a free agent, because I don't think they'll go from teller to some rookie. I think you bring in a free agent, you draft a guy, whether it's this year or next year, and you just keep turning it over. And take as many shots as you can at the draft. And then wait until you're bringing through that next generation of O-line because they've got what four big deals at the moment. And if, if you pick up um, Will's fifth year option, that, that is, it's already the last few years, one of the most expensive O-lines in the NFL. If you suddenly add Pochic on a, a big veteran deal, and then you've got Will's on a massive deal. If you're doing that, well, you've got to take the money out of the wide receiver room, or you've got to take the money out of the running back room. You've, You've kind of, I think the max really realistically is about three big veteran deals on the O line. So what's, you've you've got to calm it down a little bit.
3: What's POSIC, uh six million a year? What it six million out a year.
2: To. So it's not too crazy, but it's it's still a lot of money for a center. Where ideally, I think they'll try in the next two years draft a center where they can eventually move to that. And hey, who knows? If Nick Harris would have been healthy, I think they'd have been happily gone to that last year. He was ahead of pochich and Camp. Um, And he has one start. I was over there Christmas Day for the Packers game. He played really well um, against Kenny Clark, who's a a really nice um, defensive tackle in this league. So um, it was just one of them unlucky times he got injured and you lose your shot.
1: What do you think about Amari Cooper's contract and what we do with him the next couple of years?
2: So Amari Cooper is on... 20 million this year, 20 million next year. I don't expect an extension in Cleveland just because by the end of that, is he 30 going on 31? I think he's 30.
1: Isn't he 31 right now? 30, 31 this year?
2: I want to say he's 29. Your point remains. Um, But if they would have gone out and they would, it's why I said any of these guys like Hopkins, Cooks, all of these players made no real sense. Even Jerry Judy. If you got them, you need to move off of Amari Cooper um, if you got a massive one, it would have been this year, but next year. I think the plan's probably going to be have Amari Cooper for two more years. Then you pay DPJ this year, and then that's that's some of the money gone there. And then hopefully you're paying Elijah Moore because um, he's, he's extension eligible next year um, because that's after your third year where you can do an extension. But he's still got another rookie year on the back of that. But if those two guys play really well... That's a really nice transition. And Andrew Berry talks about sequencing deals. It's like his his buzzword. Um, You go from the 20 million you're paying Amari Cooper, you give 10 to DPJ, you give 10 to Elijah Moore, maybe a little bit more to Elijah, depends how Mm. he plays. But then you're you're drafting another guy and it might be one, hey, you take Marvin Mims, uh, pick 74 this year. That's then that building the cycle. So in two years time, you can move off of um, Amari Cooper's money give that to two wide receivers and it's worked really successfully for the chiefs. They've gone from, Hey, do we put all the money into Travis into um, Tyreek Hill? You've also got Travis Kelsey, but then you've got nothing around them. Or do you want to build an offense that has three or four passing weapons?
1: Pick up three jujus.
2: Yeah. And I think there's benefit, especially when you get to the playoffs to have multiple weapons because a one guy like Patrick Maho, not Patrick Maho, um Aaron Rodgers to Adams was phenomenal during the season. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to the playoffs, when you're up against an elite corner, well, they can take one guy out the game, and then what have you got? Whereas if you've got three or even four with a tight end, nice weapons as that sort of wide receiver two tier,
3: you can cause real problems against the best defenses in the league. Uh, this is a crazy question, maybe a crazy question. I love them. Do you think that? Barry, Depot, anyone in the league, you won't have an exact answer for this, but do you think they attempt to quantify the intangibles, culture, character? Like, for a, a, I am in the camp that the Browns need a, some, they lack leadership. And when you're trying to make cuts or make roster moves, I think a guy's like Cooper Teller, which I'm not saying that the Browns are wrong to move forward from them for whatever reason, if the reason moves up. But if there's a situation where you're void of leadership, which um, we'll see with Watson, I hope he is the man, but do, do they take that into account where you're taking a step back from like the simple dollars and cents or well, the complicated dollars and cents and say, well, we probably shouldn't pay this guy this much, but he is the glue of the locker room. And how do you quantify it? Or they, they even attempt. It's a
2: tough thing to work out. Um, obviously, the, the easier way is just to see how players react. And I think that's a big part of bringing Anthony Walker back. Um, and he, he, when he was no longer there, it wasn't just his play. That entire linebacker room just looked messy. And I, I think you can get leaders without paying the big bucks. Um, so I think even an Al Woods, if they sign him, brings a veteran leadership to that room. And he's going to be dirt cheap. So I think it's one way you can bring in leaders who can come in and do great stuff, but you don't pay for it as such. You might go, "Hey, we'll overpay one million here or something." You're not going to pay big money. Um, it's why I was never that comfortable with the Jarvis Landry money because it's fifteen million a year. If he was a five million a year wide receiver, then you can go, "Hey, we'll pay one two million extra." But it felt like we were paying seven eight million extra for leadership, which then. While we were winning, everyone was happy to praise this leadership. When it was a mess under Freddie Kitchens, (laughs) no one was blaming Jarvis Landry and going, the leadership on this team has gone to the wall. You're to blame. Because if you're going to give that player the credit, they're also responsible for when it's not going well. And I think the key things can come down to winning, if the teams are winning, the culture, everything's usually really, really positive. If it's a bit of a mess and, hey, Cleveland fans... They know what a mess looks like. There there has been certainly (laughs) enough of it, um, Freddie. But that kind of leads to where the problems arise. So, um, yeah, because if if players are winning, they know they're going to have more shots at Pro Bowls, at All Pros. They're going to have bigger contract offers. And that might not be here. And players won't mind. I want to build this idea that you come to Cleveland as that go get a cheap one-year prove-it deal, and then go get massive money in the market. Browns get extra comp picks. Everyone wins. Um, And I think that's sort of a, that's where they aspire to be. But literally the next three years, is going to come down to, is Deshaun Watson good or not? Yep. Um, They can build the best roster around him.
1: It's that simple. It's that simple, right? Hey, uh, before before we let you go, because I know it's getting late uh, across the pond, um, or wait, what time is it? you guys five hours ahead right now? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, can you explain again? We are just pretending that no one's ever heard of a salary cap, including Raleigh and I till today. Can you explain why some people get that fifth year option? Um, and why it's after the third year that people can get extended?
2: Yeah. So the way contracts work with the NFL, if any rookie player is drafted, they get a four-year deal. So rather that regardless of if they're a first pick or all the way down to the seventh round, If they're a UDFA, they get a three-year deal, um, and then they sign. I mean, it's undrafted free
1: agent, so they don't get drafted, but then sign right after. Like We'll see a million of those happen here soon.
2: So once a player has done their third year, it's the first time they can agree to an extension. And Andrew Berry spoke about it before. It's identify talent early and pay it. Because whenever you wait, contract value goes up. Um, Miles Garrett signed his deal, and then the Bosa brother was... I want to say one or two months afterwards and got two million a year more. And that's just how quickly this jumps. It's very much, it's not who's the best player gets the most money. It's just who's next um, keeps running up the, the tab for who's going to get more money after the next fight. Because Deshaun Watson's 46 million is not going to be expensive. We're going to see multiple quarterbacks signed this offseason to 50 million plus deals. Um, so that's kind of where it is. And after three years, you can do that. After the, third year, after the third year, though, that's when teams have to make the decision on the fifth-year option. Obviously, if Jedrick Wills was playing phenomenally, they would be extending him anyway and getting that deal done. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a route where they'll pick up the fifth-year option, I believe, just because it's a valuable position and it's not crazy money. And then they'll decide what's going on. Um, even Greg Newsom, I think, has played well enough in a year's time. We're talking about, hey, picking up that option is valuable enough. They might just go and trade him
1: only Uh, for first. That's only for first round picks to get that fifth round option.
3: Jack, do you have any theories on what's going on in the Lamar Jackson battle? There's debates of who's sitting in the driver's seat between the two. Who's screwing up like objectively. What, what are your takes? Who do you think is going to win and how does it tie into the Browns as a bonus? If you want to throw that in there.
2: Yeah. So it's one that, they had so much time to get this deal done. They had a whole year where the Ravens sat on their hands and the idea that they're now blaming the Browns for this deal is just farcical. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I'll, I'll take credit for destroying their franchise and Lord, our savior, Sashi Brown, since he's been there has made that franchise a misery. So uh, keep Lord going. Savior. Um, but it's one where they could have done the deal. They decided not to. And I, I think, the issue you've got is when Lamar's on fire, it's phenomenal. It's, it's beautiful football to watch as a neutral. But whenever he goes down or something goes wrong, it's, it's going to happen consistently. So when you want to guarantee a deal sort of four or five years into the future, it's risky. It's more risky than a pocket pass or where you're going, hey, yeah, there's a chance every player could get injured. But it's not likely. For the teams that need a quarterback, a drafting high. And if you're drafting high, well, you don't want to give up a pick this year you want to give up next year's first round pick and the year after where you have Lamar and then it's likely a pick in the high to mid-20s, maybe even the 30, 31 or 32 is the dream. So if you are a Detroit Lions, say as an example, why would you sign in before the draft where you can go into the draft, hey, if there's a quarterback you really like and you get good value, you draft that guy. And if not, post-draft, you can go to Lamar Jackson and go, hey, we'll send an offer sheet to you now. Um, and if you, they get accepted, hey, you've given away a 2024 and 2025 first-round pick rather than giving away, I forget how high their pick is, is it five? Um, wh- whichever their are high. That right. they're, they're picking high. So if you're a team, push that off. And I think there's some other options of, I, I think the Vikings is a team that really intrigues me as an option um, because Quezy has gone there. He was with the Browns, saw what we obviously mm. did with Watson. He knows Kirk Cousins is good enough that they're not going to ever be in a top five pick position to go get a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So would they look at going, hey, could we potentially move Kirk Cousins on and bring in um, Deshaun Watson at quarterback? The Titans, I think, are an interesting one as well because they're all over the quarterback class. Um, But I think if you've got a top 10 pick, use the pick this year. If I'm the Ravens and you accept that he's gone, and I don't think they're at the point yet where they accept that he's gone, I'd be half tempted to go, give us your second this year, and give us your first next year, and we'll trade him to you because we want the picks now. And I would rather have a second round pick in the 2023 draft than a first round pick in 2025 because that would be the difference of a, a trade and just get the ammunition now. Mm. Um, but I, I, the longer it goes on, the more misery it causes for the Ravens. And I am here for all of it.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> hey, I know Um. um one more question. Um,
3: Raleigh, asked the question you just put in our chat here. Okay. That's a great question. So what the fuck? Oh, that was an unnecessary swear. When we swear, we try to make it count. It's fine. It's when you have time. guys drafted, whether they're drafted first, they're drafted fifth, they're drafted 32nd overall, there's like a lull period where... They haven't signed yet. They all end up signing. As far as I, under, I really understand understand, the, the contracts are like predetermined. So based off of where you're drafted. So what the hell is the holdup? Like what like you never see a, a somebody just completely collapse because so and so drafted fifth overall and the Browns can't come to terms.
1: Why do the first round picks sometimes sit out during like the mini camps and shit? Because they're still negotiating. What are they negotiating?
2: Yeah. So I, th- I want to say it was about 2012, the um, the CBA agreed that the rookie players would have set salaries. Um, and the older players love this because the NFLPA is dominated by older players. So they want more money for the proven veterans that are themselves and less money for the rookies coming in. So the salary they get paid is all set. The signing bonus that they get is all set. There's basically two key parts there's a small third one but the two key parts they're looking at is guarantees because if you're a first round pick generally the accepted view is you just fully guarantee all four years of the salary um but once you get later down the draft sort of some teams will guarantee the second year some won't so Mm. they're negotiating over well how much after year one's going to be guaranteed because year one's unless you're really late in the draft, is effectively um, guaranteed because most draft picks aren't getting cut straight away. Sort of the sixth, seventh round picks have that to worry about. Then there's a second part called offset language. So if you're cut as a player, what most teams will have is, hey, we were due to give you one million, we cut you, you sign with another team. The first million will balance off our salary cap so it won't cost us anything. The other Mm. team effectively pays it. Whereas if you don't have any offset language, hey, I've cut you, you've taken your 1 million guaranteed, go sign another deal for 1 million, you can double dip. Um, So there's sometimes an argument over that. And the last part can sometimes be just payment schedule for when is that money going to get paid to the player? I want it now. No, we're going to pay it in six months' time. There's some over that, but it's generally minor. Most teams have very regimented, we pay here, here and here, and that's how it is. Um, But that's kind of what gets argued about. The Texans caused disarray. Last year, when I think it was their pick at the top of the third round or something, I think they either guaranteed the full third year or two and a half or something, and that was like really unheard of. So that all the players after that was and a lot of them before were like, "Well, we want that as well," and that just shifts. And in a similar way to what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson, the Browns have paid and committed more money and guaranteed dollars, and then other players and teams like, "Well, they want that now." So it does have a knock-on impact of, hey, when one team does something slightly different, the other teams are just trying to play catch-up. And agents, obviously, the more guaranteed dollar you can get for your player, the better. It doesn't matter too much as a highly-draft player. But we've seen plenty go out and bust. If uh, Jeffrey Akuda had no guaranteed money, they might have just cut him rather than uh, getting a trade.
3: Yeah. Uh, the, it's, it's such a weird concept because – Everything you just went over—the guaranteed money or part of what you went over—the guaranteed versus not guaranteed—that argument existing makes more sense to me when guys are free agents or are trying to get that second uh, adult deal, whatever you want to call. It. But when they're drafted, and so much of it is like predetermined, concrete, I feel like guaranteed versus not guaranteed deal is a place of argument where you know the the union could break up, both parties could walk away from each other but and then it's like now last year based off what you're saying it's like oh the third rounders are up in arms because they want more which yeah you know, i'm all four people getting what they should be paid but it's just a bizarre concept concept that like oh no other third rounder ever put two and two together with their agent and now it's like oh it's the texans fault for causing this stir that was so like there was nothing to stop that stir from happening you know
2: yeah it's it's bizarre how it all just spins on one deal and then everyone else is running around trying to play catch up and the reporting around it all is just hilarious because you see all of these like beat writers people in national media like wow someone signed their rookie deal and it's like well yeah Um, I always say if you get to training camp and deals are still unsigned on like day one of training camp I'm like now this is pretty weird. So some will not get signed until the player turns up, like, the day before training camp to pick up their kit and everything, and they just sign it then. So it's like, whatever. If day one hits and the deal still isn't signed, that's the first point where I go, this is a bit odd. And then you're trying to dig into why. And it was just, I, I think it was, like, three first-rounders and then a group of, like, six guys in the third round last year. And that was just because of the Texans down there. Um, it, it's odd. Um, and you'll see other ones. But a team won't want to guarantee more than they need to. Because if you get into the habit of guaranteeing more deals, well, suddenly the next cheaper guy that comes along and other guys like, oh, I want a little bit more. So, um,
3: yeah, you, you've got to be careful with how you do it. Last mini question, and it is mini okay. on me. Uh, back to John Johnson the third. So we didn't pay him this year, but was there an imprint of his – existence with the team that's hurting our cap this year. Second part two is the hell. It was so quick. It was so quick. We we're talking about rollover cap. Money you don't spend can go the next year. Is there a time frame on that? Does ro- rollover cap rollover indefinitely or yeah.
2: So, just to look at John Johnson's deal to begin with. So, I'll do it by cash paid and cap number and that might um sort of explain sort of what's happened here, so he initially signed a deal that was worth thirty-three point seven five million, and in year one he was given thirteen point two five million of cash, but then only three point six five million of that actually landed on the salary cap in year one. So there's another ten million he's been paid that effectively hasn't counted on the books yet. And um, in year two, he was paid ten point seven five million, but only. million of that landed on the books that year. So that's another 10 million uh, that he's been given in money still hasn't landed on the books. And that's kind of where we get into this dead cap number. Uh, There's 8.85 million um, left of it long term. It's not money that he's been sort of given this year, it's old money he's been paid for the years that he has paid. And then they're just clearing it off the books. And because they, they know that number was coming and it's one that I said, hey, John Johnson, it's going to be a post-June first cut. And that and the Watson restructure were the two things all off season, all basically all of last season. I was like, these two ha- are definitely happening, Keep an eye on them. Um, it like like their number one cut and their number one um, restructure. So there was no kind of surprise there. Um, and then what was the second part of the question?
3: Uh, the hell was it? Uh, does rollover cap can that stack like if, if one team just to say yeah. hey we're cutting everybody and we're gonna have 700 million dollars to spend one year like is what are the are there any uh parameters with it that keep it go- yeah. from going haywire so the
2: nflpa and um in the collective bargain agreement they have three year minimum cash spend windows so for every three years there's a certain amount of cash you've got to spend not salary cap but cash because hey, agents, general managers, players, all they care about is cash, because that's how much is getting paid into their bank account. When that lands on the salary cap, they're not bothered. Um, and the NFLPA will love the Browns it's paying all this cash up front, that are, we are probably number one favorite team of the entire NFLPA for that single reason. So you can roll over as much as you want. And Sashi Brown set the record. It was 65 million, I think we rolled over one year. Um, mm. And it was effectively, in a way, when the COVID year hit, because even John Dorsey, who tried his hardest to burn through all of that Sashi Brown rollover, there was still some bit left when Andrew Berry took over, which is nuts. For it to like last beyond a single GM um, is great. But when the salary cap dropped, lots of teams struggled. The Saints had to rip across apart their roster just to try and stay compliant. The Browns effectively went, oh, all this salary cap space that we've got left over and has been rolled, they just used to fill that hole of the COVID drop. And then we're able just to continue going on as business as usual. Uh, whereas there was other teams that hadn't built in any sort of, well, what happens if something goes wrong? Um, and I'm not saying they predicted the pandemic or anything. They just built in contingencies for who knows what's going to happen.
1: Jack Dolphin, sir. Thank you very much. Truly appreciate you coming on to break this down. Um, I learned a lot. I know our listeners are going to learn a lot here. I will have all of his contact info in the episode description. Again, his pin tweet is always updated. It's got our current cap situation and news, and it's a fantastic follow. A lot of you already do follow him. Um, Jack, thanks again. We will probably uh, beg you to come on again in the near future to talk some more about this. We we'll figure out some other contract stuff, but
3: sir, thank you. Uh, my pleasure. It's been great chatting to you, Chaps. That was great. We'll shout out your dog on Instagram.
1: Absolutely. But, uh, um. For Jack, for Raleigh, for myself. Thanks for listening to the Dogs More Podcast, and good night to you.
0: It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me to my very first game. Said the Browns are going to show you how the game is played. And here we go again. Ah! So get on your feet and let the games begin and see we go again Well, we all got memories of the things we did Like the old dog brown and the cardiac kids. Now we're gonna make new ones in a brain